This, this is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. The Seahawks just beat the Cleveland Browns. But, guys, we aren't going to spend too much time talking about this game in particular because we also have to talk about a huge midseason trade that was done after the fact. At 5-2, and two, the Seahawks also made a move to acquire more defensive line depth, not even depth, a starter, more defensive line talent at the deadline, adding Leonard Williams. Let's talk about the addition of Williams heading into Baltimore. I mean, Bump, this is a win-now move. <laughs> If I've ever seen one, they didn't add uh, a multi-time all pro, but they added a really good starter. They added a guy who's going to help this defense right now. He's going to take on the double teams. He plays like a thankless position. Unless you're Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, guys getting after the quarterback, people aren't really going to recognize what you do. But you put on the film, he's 6'5", 300 pounds, take on double teams. He's going to push those centers and guards back, making a quarterback step up in the pocket or, excuse me, try to get outside that pocket and let the guys who are paid to sack the quarterback do exactly that you get depth i'm looking at him on instagram already he's already posting videos in a locker room with the homies d-line dancing and stuff so uh he's he's fit right in so far and i'm excited to see him go to work you know wyman what did you make of them specifically improving and choosing the defense as their place of improvement at the midseason trade deadline you know i think when we'll get into like they have so many playmakers and i think that is kind of a good matchup with uh, with baltimore but mm-hmm. Yeah, it just kind of um, you never know what they're thinking and what they're seeing when they're looking at the um, the film. And, you know, obviously they've been really good against the run. So it's not like that was a huge need, but it just kind of puts them over the top. There's nobody like that guy. He's six foot five, 300 pounds, as Bump mentioned, and he's super powerful. So I was told to look at the the uh, Giants Niners game and I watched that game and he is splitting double teams. Aaron Banks, the guard that that San Francisco has, he's lined up next to Trent Williams. He split a couple double teams of those two guys, and he holds his own with a guy like Trent Williams. So, yeah, and he had, I think, a half a sack. There's two plays. I did a football one-on-one on this where (laughs) there's two plays where he's taking on a lineman and then tackling the ball carrier at the same time. So this guy is really strong, and I I think it just – brings you know it, they got a really good deal on it because they paid the Giants paid something like 10 or 11 million dollars of his salary yeah. so there's that the other thing is Moyer our guy Moyer brought this up the other day that the compensatory pick if they're not able to sign him next year could possibly be depending on how he plays in 2024 and what he gets they could possibly get that fifth rounder back mm-hmm. or something like that so it would be basically a second rounder you're not paying a lot of the salary and um yeah i think it's uh we're, we're gonna have brady henderson on our show at four o'clock he helped me a lot with that we talked about it and just what that deal was really all about and uh yeah it's uh, it looks really good i'm very excited about that and a big guy in the middle who's kind of kind of versatile i mean he can he can rush the passer but like bump said he's probably going to do a lot of the things that you're going to see on film you know, like when I used to watch Cortez Kennedy, like, oh, my God, he didn't make a play, but I was free in the hole or whatever, yeah. you know. So that's uh, it's pretty exciting. I think it's a cool move. Yeah, it's like a pieces around you get better kind of move. Like he's not going to come in and get 10 sacks, but you're going you're gonna to see more production from Jaron Reed. You're going to see more opportunities for the outside rushers. Um, let's talk about just the team as a contender as a whole, because that's obviously why this team makes the trade, right? If you're John Schneider, you make this trade with the Giants because you think, I think I can win a, uh, I think I can win a Super Bowl with this team. Like, I think this is a team, they may not have the best, 
best roster in the NFC right now. We're looking at San Francisco or Philly for that, but they've got a really good group. They're getting better. We just saw them beat the number one pass defense. Uh, obviously, there were some warts in that game, some things you want to clean up, but this team is 5-2 and two right now, Bump. Yeah, man, they're, um, that's every game. Every game is going to have things that uh, you're not excited to see on film. I've never seen a perfect game. Mm-hmm. I've said this plenty of times. The only perfect game I've ever seen was in baseball. Other than that, things are going to go wrong. Guys are going to have to make plays, and other teams are going to make plays. But you just don't want to see those things keep popping up. And last game, the thing that I wanted to see get better was obviously the red zone. What were they, three for five or two for five, something like that? Um, better than they have been the last two games. But, um, yeah, you're right, man. The uh, P.J. Walker was still able to throw the football a little bit. Um, he did throw a touchdown to uh, Njoku, Njoku, David Njoku, uh, on a, a beautiful drive, four plays, 75 yards, did a whole bunch of stuff there. But uh, when it was time to make plays, the Hawks made plays. You got a couple of interceptions. You got a sack late in the game by, by DT. So um, I always take everything with a grain of salt, right? They won that football game. There's always things to be corrected. But you don't want to see the same things happen week in and week out. Yeah, well, and one of those things might be the screen. And, uh, you know, we talked about that drive yesterday. They ran three screens in a row. And the last one, I was like, you know what? That was a really good play. Mm -hmm. If this was a Chuck Knox team, that play would show up on our offense the next week. Because, Mm -hmm. the you know, when you – I think Bobby's the one who had man-to-man coverage on Njoku, but he blocks. So if I'm Bobby, I'm like scratching that guy off and I'm looking for to help somebody else out. Then all of a sudden he releases late. It was a really well-designed play. We had a D lineman that was maybe three inches from knocking that ball down. But, you know, the, the one that bothered me was the second one because there's four fat offensive linemen bleeding out to the sidelines. You, you have to see that, you know, so. That's what a screen does is, that, you know, you, you want to run guys off, you know, the defensive backs, and then you try to suck the D linemen in. And so it creates this mm-hmm. huge space and they did it. They executed it really well. But I thought the thing I, I thought about yesterday was that drive and the plays that hurt them. I'm glad it happened in a win yeah. because, yeah. you know, now you can fix it. And I guarantee you they'll be, you know, it's a copycat league. People will be running that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the Njoku, not you know he's a, he's a good tight end, but this week Mark Andrews, this guy is a really good tight end. Yeah, Mark Andrews with 32 catches, 397 yards, six touchdowns, which is the most among all tight ends. We're gonna have a more thorough preview of this kind of like as the game advances. But I wanted to just one more question on this Cleveland game, guys. I was surprised that you know the Seahawks got away from the run a little bit. Pete Carroll post game explained, look, you kind of just take what the defense gives you, right? It's not like we plan to get away from the run, but we found that. Our own pass pro was playing a little bit better than we thought, so we were taking some of our shots there. But I was really surprised. I was fully expecting that this was going to be a game where you get to the one, you give the ball to Charbonnet kind of thing. Yeah, um, take what the defense is giving. Now, I went back and I watched, okay, what is the defense giving them? And what I saw was pressure and a lot of man on the back end. So I think that Shane Waldron looked at the matchup and said, I think our guys can beat their guys. And then when you're not running the football, that means you're not successful on first and second. I believe I counted there were 25 to 27 first down opportunities, and they ran the ball 11 or 12 times. So almost half the time they ran the ball on first down, yeah. uh, and they were pretty pretty successful on it too. They had gains of 12, a 41, a 7, only had one negative run on first down. Uh, so you're asking, okay, what exactly is he looking at? And, again, you go on with a game plan. And as offensive coordinator, you're saying, look, if we come out and we see this, this is how we're going to attack that defense. 
So uh, he, he stuck with his game plan, man. And, um, you know, it's probably not what a lot of people want to see. But uh, we're not watching 25 hours of film during the week, too, trying to come up with a game plan. Yeah. it's a good point. What do you make <laughs> of uh, the kind of game plan you might want against Baltimore, Dave? Uh, defensively or offensively? Um, either one you want to answer. We've got uh, some time for both if you want. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll go defense. And I think one of the things that they're going to want to do, I was just watching the Arizona game. Arizona did a pretty decent job of, I think they're going to attack our zones. I don't think we do a great job of adjusting. Um, you know, you drop to like a curl route and then all of a sudden the guy hooks behind you and you don't adjust. Yeah. And Arizona did a good job of that a couple times. And that's where the Seahawks have gotten picked apart. So hopefully they play. It's not it's almost like a matchup zone where it's like you're looking at the progression. So if you you're looking at the quarterback, one guy goes out, you it's guaranteed a guy's coming in behind you. So, you know, if they are able to, to get that part down, otherwise, you know, we always think about Lamar Jackson as this running tight uh, quarterback, which he is. But, man, that guy can pick you apart. He's really a good quarterback. So, And especially with the threat of run, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really important that they play really good zone defense if they're, if they're playing zone. The way that I was thinking about it, too, is it's you want to establish your identity in every game and every season. So it seems silly to say this. But I thought that this would be a game, Dave, where the Seahawks kind of like really try to hammer home their identity, really try to stop that run, play physical defense. And, you know, if you're able to run the rock against a really good passing defense like this is an opportunity in my mind for Pete Carroll to be the kind of team he wants yeah I think they have what eight picks uh eight uh, interceptions I know that Geno Stone has, has five, five. Yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah I think they're at eight so yeah they're they're a good pass defense I don't it's funny you go back and look and you look at the averages on our on our running backs it was like 10 and eight or something like that mm -hmm. per carry but then the game situation kind of gets you know, kind of dictates whether you're running or passing. I'll give a good example. Uh, I, all week I was squawking about um, the goal line and down inside the red zone and the five-yard line. Why don't we just run the ball straight downhill? Then they run the fly sweep to Bobo. And I'm and like, it oh, works. what are we doing here? <laughs> oh, it's a touchdown. No, so, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, it was kind of funny on that play, too, because we were talking about it during the broadcast that Bobo was looking to go outside and everything, and it's like, there's a huge gap right in front of you, and he bought <laughs> practically walks in but uh yeah i mean that's that's the thing about play calling i'm sure shane waldron is sitting there listening well he probably doesn't listen to radio i, I wouldn't uh, excuse I you i think that <laughs> yeah. the huddle is shane waldron's well, favorite maybe he show listens to the huddle yeah he tapes it and then you know <laughs> listens it. later yeah tapes it what am I talking <laughs> and then he examines about? it he podcasts it so uh but yeah it's you know it's it's tough trying to find the right sequence of plays and I think shane's done a really good job and i think there's a lot of okay let's establish what's our identity yeah yeah but there's lots – I mean, look, there's lots of really good weapons. we got Will Disley coming in. I mean, the tight ends, I feel like – I feel like every time you should throw it to Fant if you need like 25 yards. Mm -hmm. He's always kept, you know, run after catch was something I didn't see from him in Denver. I didn't think he was very dynamic after catching the ball. And here, man, he's just been yeah. awesome. I go back to, uh, was it the Giants game? That like crazy run uh, after yeah, the catch that he the had? Sideline. Oh my God. That was that that was a play where I looked at it and I go, oh, that's a first round tight end. Like that's, that's yeah, why that guy becomes a first round pick. Uh, Bump, final minute here. Um, and since we're not sticking with the Browns anymore after after this, I wanted to take a second to talk about that Jake Bobo play that Dave mentioned because that was one of your favorite plays of the day. Maybe so far one of your favorite plays of the season. Yeah, no, I loved it because on film, every time Jake Bobo's gone in motion, especially in short yardage situation, he's the lead blocker. And I like the design. If you look at the left side of the line, they're showing uh, zone left to the, the offense, offense zone left. 
and Ken Walker's getting downhill as if he's going his own left. And what Jake Bob usually does, he takes care of that back end, uh, that back D end. So now when you go over to that right side, on the right side, they're showing, look, all right, we're going to, they're showing like outside zone look to Jake Bobo. So it parts like the Red Sea. And I think it was designed to get outside, but Jake Bobo was a football player and put his right foot in the ground and said, yeah. I'm going to go where the daylight is. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys, we are going to hear from some of your favorite Seahawks voices coming up in hour two of the huddle. Ray Roberts is going to join us. We're going to talk about the offensive line health, getting better offensively, how important that's going to be against this Ravens defense. Steve Rabel is going to join us as well to talk about some keys to winning in week nine. Before we get to any of that, though, talking to some of your favorite Seahawks, Will Disley joins us next. This is the huddle presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Practice just wrapped for the Seahawks, so we are going to grab Will Disley and Cam Young, uh, and they're going to come over and chat with us a bit about a Seahawks team that is and 5-2 entering a Week 9 road game. Did you guys know this is the last time this season the Seahawks will have back-to-back home games? Yes, I did know that, actually. I didn't realize that yeah. until, until I was at the Cleveland Browns game, thinking this is the last time it's back-to-back at home. Uh, but they're hitting the road. 10 a.m. start for this one, and they have been really good at 10 a.m., so hopefully this is going to be another good one. Yeah. Tough defense, though. Tight end Will Disley joining us right now. And, Will, I know he doesn't play on your side of the ball, so maybe it's unfair for me to ask, but how would you feel about the trade for Lawrence? As a big guy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, tall, exactly. Tall, too. So. Huge dude. Uh, no, we're stoked to have him, man. Uh, I think any guy that can rile up our team is a good guy to pick up, so... Um, we're happy he's on our side now. Yeah. The Northwest is uh, an interesting place. I tell people that all the time. And everything we heard from the people in New York, they're saying he's going to fit in perfectly here. They say he goes spear fishing. He walks around with his shoes off. Like when you talk, when you talk to him, do you get that feel that he's he's already embraced the Northwest? I mean, shoot, that's a good question. I got it. We got to get him out on a boat, man. We need like Seahawk fan to get him like doing some salmon fishing or right. something. Yeah, take, can you take him with you? Do you guys go fishing? I would love to go, yeah. yeah. You know who's a big fisherman is? Uh, I would guess A. Jim Zorn. Loves it. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. guys can all go it. together. Jim could take all of you guys. Tariq Young uh, went up. I think Abe might have gone up to Alaska with him. Abe so seems like someone I think we should be. get Leo on the, uh, the yep. trip up to Alaska if he likes to fish. Yeah. I don't think you and Leonard could be on the same boat. That's got to be a big boat. We'd have to be on a different size. Yeah, <laughs> balance it out. I support what, that. Do you do anything in the during the season, like get out, or is it just totally dedicated to football and you do it in the off season, like fishing and stuff like that? Uh, you know, I'm kind of a like whatever my friends want to do. Like I'm down. Like if it's going fishing, if it's just going and doing trivia somewhere, like I'm in. Like count me in. I'm just trying to hang out and have a good time. So. Um, I would like to, you know, it's kind of uh it was I was we had an early bye week so I was hoping to get back to Montana and maybe do a little bit of hunting but mm-hmm. cousin got married so that took pre- took precedent and uh we had a good time regardless so yeah. So you just go to like trivia at bars? Do you get recognized yeah. often or not as much as you'd think? You know, people who go to trivia maybe are not focused on That's the facts. <laughs> so yeah. they're more focused about trying to win trivia. So it's nice. I just go with my friends, you know, that I've collected over the 10 years that I've been in town. So it's, it's fun. I just love thinking of the idea of like a full, like group of trivia people. And you're right. Like every time I've gone to trivia, it's like, you'll get like, 
you're right. Probably not hardcore football fans. Yeah. <laughs> and, Except and, Will, and, Will wears his Seahawk gear. Yeah, and says, do you know who I am? <laughs> I just love the idea of them having no idea. Like, that must feel kind of cool still to be like, oh, I'm just hanging out. Just got, my parents put it. They just retired uh, a couple years ago. And yeah. So they started doing, like, Thursday night trivia. So when I go back home, they're like, we have trivia tonight. I'm like, all right, I'm nice. going. Yeah. So they, and it's pretty fun, you know? Yeah. You're always excited. It's a group effort. Man, uh, uh, the uh, tight end room. I did a, I ran a stat, and um, it was like when you guys are involved in about forty six percent of the yards um, and passing yards, you guys win that ball game. Like, what is it about the tight end position for this team that is so important when it comes to just helping out in the run game and helping Gina out in the pass game? Yeah, that's a fun stat. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm gonna make sure Colby uses that in his contract. Uh, <laughs> no, you know it's fun. We got a good group of guys that are just, you know, they can attack any 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 way. You know, Colby's a big physical run blocker and can catch the ball. And Noah's fast as get out. And is this a terrible mismatch for when he when he puts his hands on people? Man, he does a great job. So it's fun, like being involved in the passing game and in the run game. You know, we wear a lot of hats out of that tight end room, and so. Um, but it definitely is nice to be fed the ball. I mean, you saw that, what was the two-minute drive where Noah caught the ball and created an explosive, and mm-hmm. we're right there in striking distance. So, um, you know, we, we just stay ready, look for opportunities to try and help the team win. And, um, you know, if you're saying that we need to get the ball more, I'll then... S- I've been yelling it all, you know. <laughs> I support that, I guess. <laughs> hey, uh, you're looking at other defenses, obviously, but do you watch other tight ends around the league? Is there somebody, I mean, the guy coming up this week, Mark Andrews, pretty good, but there are other tight ends that you that you kind of, you know, pay attention to? Yeah, no no doubt. Uh, you know, I like to take a look at kind of the run blocking tight ends. You know, Chuck over in the 49ers, um, Kittle gets it done, uh, Mo Alley-Cox for the Indianapolis, because they just run that kind of, you know, same marry the run, marry the pass, and so what are they doing? What are their little tricks? And, and then obviously it's fun to kind of watch the big the big skill guys, you know, the Kelseys and mm-hmm. um, the Irv Smith Juniors at mm-hmm. in Cincinnati catch all those balls and run crazy route so you know you just kind of you kind of look around the league and kind of what is everyone good at and i think that's what's cool about our tight end room is all three guys you know are pretty much good at whatever they ask are asked to do so well and you're good at you have such not different strengths you're right in that all of you can do anything but like you're a great blocker and like i um I would imagine, you know, when everyone's younger, uh, much like you pretend to, like, accept an Academy Award, like, everyone pretends to have the shining moment. So you're pretending to, like, you know, catch touchdown passes or throw one or whatever. But, like, every time I hear from guys who block, they're like, I'm telling you, the high I got from blocking that dude and just, like, shoving that guy onto the ground. Like, I would imagine, have you found that, like, oh, man, that gets the juices flowing? We're, we get we get pretty lit up. I mean, we played the Chargers, and we had Colby and I had two of those combo box yeah. where the guy ended up on the ground. And like after the play, it's fun, especially because <laughs> it's a combo. It's like right. with your boy, and you're yeah. like, let's freaking go. Yeah. But we get fired up. I mean, we played New Orleans, and they got two really good defensive ends last year. And like we had a couple of pass pro reps that were like when well, they were one on one reps with premier pass rushers, yeah. and not like the skill guys where you can get your hands on them and they're like legit dudes. Like you had to put in work. Yeah. I mean, you can look at the past game, the, the one-on-one reps, Colby had one where it was a big shot. And, um, we, we get fired up for those moments too, because 
pass rushers get paid a lot of money, you right. know, to go and get the quarterback. And then it's kind of, you know, I think all the tight ends, tight end you will will coin this, but, you know, we're underpaid. You know, we do a lot of the same stuff that the left tackles asked to do, that the starting receivers are asked yeah. to do. So it's fun when we can go and flex on a guy that's getting paid rush to passer and they're getting blocked by Colby's on minimum wage. It's like, it's pretty awesome. you know, that's yeah, a no, sweet, that's a, that's a feel good moment for us. Yeah. So we celebrate that just as much as, you know, catching touchdowns. Love too. that. Love that. He is, is Will Disley kind enough to uh, to join us straight out of practice? You haven't had time to to eat, to to shower, to do anything. So yeah, let me tell you, yeah, I, you guys have these uh, Tim's honey barbecue chips. Yeah, I've it. never even seen them because what are you by talking the time. About? I feel this like, is like a Pacific Northwest staple. But by the time you get to the Tim's bag, all that's left is original. Or people okay, only buy I the original you. box. You're saying I I've haven't never seen even this seen flavor. There's some in the and kitchen. they're so good. There's a big box in the okay, kitchen. Okay, well, here's what you need to do. I may or may not have three Diet Cokes in this purse. Uh-oh. You got to just grab a handful of something when you leave this room because they restock it every day. Okay. So you didn't hear it from us, and this was just a private conversation between the four of us that no one can hear. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Good luck on Sunday. Don't go anywhere. Cam Young joins us next. Let's go, Hawks. This, this is the Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Joined now by rookie Cam Young. And Cam, while we want to know all about your season so far, I apologize because I do have to ask you about someone else to start your interview here. How dare I? Uh, But you guys got Leo in the building. Uh, Leonard Williams now a Seahawk. How'd you feel with that trade? Have you met him yet? Uh, Yes, man. I met him yesterday. Um, He's a great guy. You know, uh, I'm new to the league, but it's not often that you get a player of that caliber to come in. So it's just great to get a guy like that. Man, you're uh, Mississippi State, so uh, I went to Washington State. Okay. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the pirate Coach Leach was over there yes, at, at Wazoo for a long time, kind of helped us do our thing. Yes, what was it like uh, playing for him? Uh, it's great. Um, you know, Coach Leach is one of the guys that pioneered college football, in my opinion, uh, with the outrage. So just having a guy like that, a legend, come in, uh, it was real big for the Mississippi State family. So uh, rest in peace, Coach Leach. How do, how do you fit in down there? He's a different dude, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was way different. Uh, it took us a minute to get used to him, but like I say, he's a great guy, so he come from um, great morals and aspects, and it was easy to get behind him. Yep. Cam, uh, when you got drafted, I remember talking to the scouts and Schneider and everything, and they said you're the hammer mm-hmm. that they that, that they drafted. Mm-hmm. What Have you had kind of that moment? Are you starting to – because that you have that reputation kind of in, in college. Right. Are you starting to feel like you're – getting in groove like you can take these guys on kind of like you did with the in college uh, a little bit um you know my first game was against the lions uh, i got to go against frank ragnall who's one of yeah. the premier centers in this league um so with that kind of being my first matchup you know i was able to kind of get my feet wet so you know i'm starting to get there yeah so how's it feel so far as just uh kind of like acclimating to the nfl as a whole like just the culture of being here with guys. Do you feel like you're able to, this sounds weird, but do you feel like you're able to be yourself so far? Oh, uh, most definitely. You yeah. know, uh, I have great guys in the room, um, guys just mentoring me and showing me the way, the ropes. Uh, we also pride ourselves on being yourself around here. You know, personality That's is true. big from the top to the bottom. So it's easy to be yourself. Man, you play a position that most people don't realize the work you got to do, man. You're, right. you're taking on double teams at time. Your yes, your job is to keep them guys behind you clean, right? right. Uh, have you ever been a nose tackle? And, and what what joy do you get out of it? Because, you know, you don't necessarily get the, the big plays often that these other guys right. get. 
Um, not necessarily. You know, once Coach Leach came in, we converted to a three-three-five, and definitely not start lining up more over the center. Uh, I'm typically I'm typically a small guy compared to other nose guards. You know, nose guards that play that spot usually three fifty plus. So me being three oh seven right now is kind of a it's harder than you know what it may seem. But the joy I get is just like you said, seeing guys fly around, guys like Jordan and Bobby. You know, making plays like that's that just bring that gives me energy. Yeah, I know as a linebacker, like I would always make sure to like give credit and point out things in film and everything if i'm if a d lineman's taking on two guys or whatever do you does bobby and jordan do those guys communicate Oh, most definitely not only them um coach hurt who was a former defensive lineman you know he makes sure that Mm -hmm. even the guys in the back end know that our job is very important to the defense yeah uh, what's uh, what's it been like working with uh, some of the guys up here, like like Jaron Reed? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we've seen him here before, but it's his first year back here. Right. Frank Clark is now back here. Right. You kind of have a return to some of these guys. How have they been as leaders? Because when we first covered them, they were these young guys, right? right. They're your age. Uh, yeah, Jaron Reed has been great for me. Um, you know, like I said, me being a smaller guy at the nose position, I was watching guys like uh, Monet and yeah. Al, who's 350 plus. So I was trying to really manipulate what they was doing, but yeah. Jerry kind of stepped in and made the position his own, so I was able to kind of follow his footsteps, and it's been working for Love me. Love that. Man, I used to go down to Biloxi, Mississippi every summer. My dad lives down there, and yes, I loved it. It was different. You know, I'm from right. California, so I go down. Right. It's different, but oh, it, I loved it. So with you going the opposite way, you know, yeah. down Mississippi, coming up to the northwest, man, how, how's it been for you up here? Uh, it's been great. Uh, the weather has been better than what I thought initially. Uh, everybody told me it was going to be gloomy and rainy all the time. I think the rain just started to come in, so it's been great for me. Um, still haven't found no real good soul food spots, but uh, I'm still looking. So that's the only thing I'm looking forward to right now, good soul food. You know what? Today on our show, later on, I'm going to solicit uh, texters to see if they can give some uh, yes, sir, soul food recommendations. Yes, we like to provide that service on that. Right. <laughs> um, hey, uh, so this is a random question. It was Halloween just uh, on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Did you dress up when you were a little kid and go trick or treating? Uh, I, I did, but I stopped at a real young age. Um, okay. Do you once... remember your favorite your favorite costume? I, I was definitely when I dressed up as myself as a football player. As a football player. <laughs> yeah, I think I was in fourth grade, so okay. that was probably my favorite costume. I'm imagining a young Cam, like they open the door and they're like, cute costume. He's like, it's not a costume. Yeah, this yeah, is my business me. attire. That's who I am. Yeah. This is just who I am. What's your flexibility on soul food? Like, how are you with, like, like is it just like, is Southern as a category? Because there's some Southern restaurants that kind of like have seafoody infusions but like mm-hmm. are you like i need classic soul food tell me where to find it uh fried chicken for fried sure. chicken if for they, sure if they have good fried chicken then they got me so i've heard some places well we got texas already legion in bellevue that's you know with cam and them and then um southern kitchen in tacoma is what uh, that's what i've heard of. that's a little trip for you so that's probably like an off-season day or, or a sure. day off or honestly <laughs> have you had ezel's Ezel's is pretty good. There's a couple. Uh, it's a chain, so you can find a couple places. Yeah, I don't think I have. Okay, so they used that's to bring my chicken into when we were playing. Chuck Knox, our coach, back this is back in the '80s. That w- on Fridays we'd always have Ezel's chicken brought in. I've met Ezel a number of times. Great dude, awesome chicken. You'll love. Ezel's. I didn't know it was that Fried like chicken. that much of like. Yes, yeah. wow. he's been around for a it's long like a time. Yeah. yeah. yeah you been out? Cool. You been out on the water yet? Uh, when we came, we did like some with the rookies. Um, uh-huh. It's like the twelve tour, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So that was my first time. You you good on the water? You get seasick? Uh, not really, but 
I ain't no fan of it. I'm with you. I don't mess with it. <laughs> I don't mess with it. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, something that you're missing, which is obviously soul food. I can understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what's something that you kind of like about being in the Northwest? What's something that maybe is newer where you were like, okay, like I can get behind this? Uh, definitely the scenery. Uh, you oh, know, I ain't never been this close to mountains. So every, I, every time I saw a mountain, it was in the far, far off. So just being this close to them is kind of crazy to me. I remember driving down 405 my first time out here. Yeah. And I'm from Cali, and we don't have the trees like that. Right. And I'd just be driving, staring at the <laughs> yeah, trees. Like, hour, man, this is crazy out here, man. Have you? So now it's about the weather's about to change, man. I hope you got some, some jackets, you yeah, know. Some. Yeah, you got you to get ready for this because it's about to turn on you real quick. But you're going to get used to playing in this weather, which is an advantage in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of guys from the south hate, hate playing in the cold. I'm from West Coast like Bump, and I hated playing in the heat. You, you handle that yeah. perfectly fine, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, we love playing in the heat. You just get used to it? Yes, sir. I, I can't. I can't imagine that because it like, just it's a, drains it's an advantage you. for us. So just yeah. like the cold, the advantage for y'all. Yeah. The heat is an advantage for us. Well, yeah. pretty soon, Cam, you're going to be able to play anywhere. <laughs> right. So you're going to have right. this in the bag. He is Ricky Cam Young, uh, getting off to a fun start here in Seattle. Cam, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, where can people? Uh, do you have a Twitter account? Uh, I have one, but I'm not sure what my Twitter handle. Okay, is. I was going to tell people to tweet restaurants <laughs> at you, but maybe good, they can find you on man. Instagram or good something. Man. Yeah, that's the way to go. Twitter, you know what? He's yeah. like, I, I read one thing. It's the playbook. That's, that's all I read. Yeah. Yeah. He is Cam yeah. Young. Don't go anywhere. You guys are going to hear from Gino next. This, this is the Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. You heard from Will Disley. You heard from Cam Young. That was in studio with us right now. You're going to hear from Geno Smith at the podium. Yeah, um, you know, I think the difference is, you know, when you look at the two defenses, um, you know, just the style of play overall. Um, you know, they play from more of a two-high shell versus, uh, you know, um, the Browns that like to play a little bit more man, a little bit more single-high. Um, but overall, you know, just as effective. Um, they lead the league in sacks, so they're getting to the quarterback. Um, they got some really stout guys up front, uh, interior and uh, edge guys. Um, you know, I think two of the best linebackers in the game when you talk about uh, Rokon Smith and then uh, Patrick Queen, you know, guys who are out there just flying around making plays. And then overall, um, just the way they play together, connected, um, not many mistakes. Uh, they take away big plays. Uh, I think they do a lot of things well. And so another great opportunity for us to go out there against another really good defense. You mentioned they're taking away Yeah, um, you know, it just comes down to what happens on game day. Um, You know, obviously we got a lot of big play playmakers. Um, And so we believe that our guys, you know, we can make plays against anybody. But uh, they have done a great job at uh, shutting guys down and, you know, really keeping things in front of them. So, you know, if we have to execute uh, and and put together long drives, then, you know, that's what we have to do. But uh, ultimately it comes down to, you know, the situations in the game. Um, I don't like to, you know, kind of, you know, put, you know, anything away from us because I think we can make plays against, you know, the best defenses in the league. Uh, we play one every single day in practice. So, um, you know, we know they're going to present a bunch of different challenges. Uh, we know the game's going to be another tough game against two really good teams. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's what we need at this point in the season. We need to be battle-tested, and, uh, you know, I look forward to this one. What was it like seeing uh, Jason Peters out there? Yeah, uh, you know, JP, he did a great job. 
you know, it was great. It was great just to be able to, you know, say I got a chance to play with him, man. Just talk about his resume, what he's done over his career. And so, um, you know, what I saw from him was, uh, you know, exactly who he's always been. Um, Hall of Fame tackle, in my opinion. Uh, he went out there, went toe-to-toe with Miles Garrett and whoever else they had out there. And uh, he held his own. And more than held his own, he helped us win. Um, and I think the biggest thing he did was on that last drive, you know, he stepped in there, gave us a little bit of a speech, a little pep talk uh, right before we scored, uh, right before Jackson scored on that play. And so you talk about his veteran leadership uh, and then just his overall play, man. He, he brings a lot to the table. You know, he just said, uh, you know, his exact words were, this is why this is why we prepare all week. You know, this is what we work hard for, uh, these moments right here. And, uh, you know, it was, it was great in that moment, you know, just for him to step in there, and it was exactly what we needed. You know, everyone stayed poised, and, um, you know, it's just, again, great to have him on our side. Oh, man, so excited, man. Uh, I was actually on the Jets, I believe, when he got drafted. And, uh, you know, just being uh, around him, uh, and then playing against him, you get a, a feel for just the type of dynamic player he is. Um, I mean, just a problem up front, you know, especially in the interior. And uh, I think he does a great job, again, of just, uh, you know, pushing the pocket, uh, making it hard on the quarterbacks. Um, you know, it's, it's not easy when you got, you know, the bull coming right in your face. You, you know, sorry, pause. When I mean, you got it uh, blitzing right at you and you, you got to either step up right or left. So, um, you know, it's just hard. It's just hard to go against uh, guys like that in the interior. And he does a great job at, um, you know, just making it tough on guys. Uh, I could, you know, I could. We uh, we actually got some training in together in the off season, and uh, you you just see right away, um, you know, just the improvement that he's made over the course of you know from his rookie season to now. Uh, and he's still getting better. He gets better, you know, every single day at practice. He works his butt off. Um, he's in the weight room on the off days. Uh, you know, he's here super early working out, and you can tell that um, you know he's starting to hit his stride. And um, you know, he's a, he's always been to me a, a really good player. And I think you know he's just continuing to to get better and better each week. And um, he had a great training camp, uh, turned into a great preseason, and, and now to a great season. Um, you just talk about his overall strength. You know, you can tell he really hit the weights in the offseason. He was already a strong guy, but, uh, you know, he just came in a little, looking a little bit stronger, had a little more pop to him. And, uh, you know, just his get off, you know, getting off the ball, uh, you can you can feel that right away in camp. You know, he made us, you know, I had to step up a bunch of times in the pocket and, uh, you know, he was getting a lot of pressure in camp. And so uh, we were hoping that would translate and it's definitely paying off for him. Uh, we're just working out in the off season down in Florida. Uh, you know, I think he might have came down for maybe a vacation or something, but we got a chance to work out together. Have you got to know Lamar Jackson at all? Uh, not not much. I mean, a little bit. Uh, we're both uh, South Florida guys. Uh, both played in Broward. Uh, always followed his career. You know, spoke to him a few times, but no, nah, I wouldn't say we're close. What's uh, the role in the quarterback for avoiding sacks against a team? Yeah, I think the the main thing, uh, you know, it really starts with um, owning the protections. Um, they have a bunch of different schemes that they use, and uh, they're they're very, uh, you know, intricate in the way that they uh, scheme up against your protections. So, uh, being able to, you know, make the right mic calls, um, knowing where the hots and sights are, and then obviously getting the ball out. You know, you want to hit your back foot, get the ball out. Don't allow those guys to uh, work their stunts, their games, their picks, uh, where they can affect your tackles, your guards, and, and get to the quarterback. So, really, just getting the ball out in rhythm. Uh, throwing the ball on time and precisely. And then, you know, if I do have to uh, go to my third or fourth read, you know, stepping up into the pocket, uh, getting up and out, and not just standing back there with the ball. Getting the ball out quickly. How big of an emphasis was that in 
Uh, it's always a big emphasis. You know, our, our offense is, you know, timing and rhythm based. And so it's always a big emphasis for us every single week is to get the ball out. So, um, you know, especially against a really good pass rush, right? So you're going to see those every single week. And uh, it's going to be key for me and, you know, whoever's in there to get the ball out and to, to be on time and for the receivers to run their routes crisp and get to the spots on time so that we can execute uh, properly. Uh, yeah, I would say, um, you know, I think uh, just overall, you know, obviously the tempo helps, but I think overall just uh, the third downs, you know, uh, that that's really what will help you. You know, you talk about those drives where we stalled out like midway through the game. Um, we didn't, uh, we didn't, you know, succeed on third down. And so we, we can execute better in those situations. That gives you uh, more chances to extend drives and to have, you know, more plays, more runs, more passes. Um, but overall, that's really it. It's just, you know, you said it, execution. Um, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, obviously, they stopped us. You know, you got to, you know, tip your hats to them. Uh, that's their job to go out there and stop us. But, um, you know, just overall, you know, one or two plays here and there, one or two mistakes here and there, and I think we execute a lot better. Obviously, those kind of situations can be frustrating when you go a couple quarters without really moving the ball or whatever. Um, I guess what's sort of the key to then, you know, when the game's on the line, you're able to kind of, I guess, put all that aside and just move down the field quickly like that? Yeah, um, just overall, just, you know, continuing to play. You know, you can't let the last drive affect the next one. You can't let the last play affect the next one. And so kind of just having a short memory, putting those things behind you. Uh, you know, the guys do a great job uh, of, of always pressing forward and always, you know, looking looking ahead to the next play. And so, um, you know, I think that was an example of that. You know, I, I thought Tyler did a really good job at bringing guys up on the sideline, um, you know, just talking us, you know, through the situation, making sure everyone was calm, understanding that we are going to have another opportunity. And then, uh, like I said, JP stepping in the huddle, uh, you know, saying what he said. So overall, man, I just think, you know, as long as you put things behind you and you just keep pressing forward, uh, you, you'll be able to make more plays down the line. You touched on the Jake scored in the first quarter. That's a play that you've run with other guys with Jake, maybe being a lead blocker. Who has to make the most adjustments? Because DK was talking about you've got a number of plays, different guys can run them. Do you have to make more adjustments to your playmakers or do they have to adjust to you in the way that you're going to throw that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's both, you know, I mean, that's why we practice, you know, we get all those reps, you know, all throughout, you know, mini camp, OTAs, training camp, you know, in the season. Uh, so we can adjust to each other. Sometimes it's the route, you know, he might get bumped off his route a little bit. I might have to adjust my throw. Uh, sometimes I may throw the ball, you know, throwing them open to a different spot and they have to adjust the route in order to catch it. And so uh, it's a tandem type of thing. We, we all got to work together on that. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, they're, they're all different. Um, you know, I, I would speak to that like, you know, throwing the DK, right, he's a taller guy, really fast. So uh, I like to throw the ball a little bit higher for him so that, you know, he can, you know, reach and doesn't have to bend down for it. And then you have Tyler, who's, you know, not the tallest guy, uh, you know, not, not the biggest guy. And so typically you want to throw the ball like near his body so that he doesn't, you know, have to take a lot of contact after he catches the ball. So there is an adjustment that you make, a subtle adjustment. But overall, man, they, you know, it's just throwing and catching, you know, just throwing the ball so they can catch it and, you know, trying to make plays. Uh, he's done it his whole career. Um, you know, I think that's uh, something that he does that, you know, no one else can do, man. He just finds those open spots. Um, he knows exactly when to scramble, um, never too early, never too late. And then, uh, you know, that little corner back there, we got to call it Tyler's corner now because he, you know, he's caught so many touchdowns back there and he continues to just find his way back there and somehow the ball finds him. 
The Seahawks offense is going to have a challenge against the Baltimore Ravens defense. So how can they get right ahead of week nine? We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts next. This is the huddle. Every Thursday from noon to two. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Let's go in. The huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Going to be joined shortly by Ray Roberts as we go in the trenches and figure out how this Seahawks offense, I don't want to say can get right. They've, they've, they've got two wins here. I mean, they've got some good games. It's just we've seen some up and down play from Geno. I think that's what a lot of people are, mm-hmm. are focused on. Um, let's see. Uh, right before we pop Ray on, uh, Wyman, why don't I, I'm just going to turn to you. I might interrupt you here um, to, to just see kind of like, you know, how Gino can kind of try to improve that. Oh, just kidding. I'm sorry to interrupt you now. Ray's, that's good because I didn't have an answer. I really <laughs> Ray's joining us right now. Uh, we are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Ray, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, buddy? Uh, I am great, and I am both excited and nervous for a game against the Ravens. And, Ray, it's it's exactly how I felt uh, for a game against the Browns. I knew this defense was wonderful. Um, How I feel about the Ravens is that both their offense and defense are really, really good. So I want to start with uh, what the Seahawks' offense has a chance to do. Ray, it feels like this is a game where they might need to turn a little bit to the run. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at uh, at this defense, they have they lead the league with 31 overall sacks, and they have 13 different players with at least one sack. And so they really get after the quarterback. And two of their leading um, uh, guys with sacks are linebackers. So that means that they bring a lot of pressure. So they're going to have to do a really good job of being assignment sound, and the communication has to be on point. The stadium's going to be loud. So uh, those guys are going to have to do a really good job of uh, pointing out of the blitzers and things. And so one way to neutralize that is to be able to run the ball. And it's not going to be pretty all the time. They're the number two defense for a reason. Uh, So there's going to be some negative yards. There's going to be some, you know, zero yardage. There's going to be some two-yard gains. But you're going to have to stay with it. I think this offensive line has gotten to a place where they're, uh, you know, early in the season they were doing some good stuff. And Pete was saying that they needed more consistency and people didn't quite understand it. But I think what he was saying is that, uh, getting to the second-level defenders. There were just too many of the second-level defenders running free, and so it was kind of stymieing the running game. So then every now and then you'd have a big play, and you go like, hey, look, the running game worked. And so they've done a really a better job getting to the second-level uh, defenders, and with a team that likes to blitz a lot, man, if you can do that, you have a chance to really pop open some really big runs uh, and really do some damage that way. And so, But you have to be willing to stick with it. They only ran the ball with the two running backs just last year, like I mean last week like 13 times, uh, have to do more than that this game. Hey, Big Ray, I feel like this might be the most physical game of the year, right? The Baltimore Ravens, their reputation since 2000 has been that defense is going to play hard. Um, And now you get Lamar Jackson in there. Uh, What do you think the identity of this game is going to be? You mentioned the blitzing and having to communicate. I feel like that's part of it being a physical game. Yeah, if you – I mean, you think about the Baltimore Ravens and the Steeler games. Like, those are some – straight up physical, physical football games. And so, you know, sometimes and like the Seahawks like to, you know, especially on defense, you know, they I think they kinda have like a bully mentality. If you look at how Jamal Adams plays, if you look at, you know, how uh, Darren Reed is playing, if you look at uh Jamal Adams, you know, uh with a spoon, they all play kind of with this chip on their shoulder. Well, this game is gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna find out real quick if you have the chip or you don't have the chip. 
because you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring your lunch pail and be, just be ready to just strap it on and just play hard nosed physical snot bubble football game because that's the way they like it. And and the hard thing is that um, you know the Seattle they love it when you play a, a muddied up game and it's kind of ugly and you win in the fourth quarter. Well, the Ravens do the same thing, and so uh, it's gonna be a test of wills, a test of physicality, and uh, and the Seahawks are gonna have to be up for it because if they're not, it could be a long day. Hey, Ray, uh, with, with uh, Leonard Williams, what do you see him, you know, what's different about him? Obviously, his size and and everything, you know, he's, he's 6'5", 300 pounds. But then what are some of the other things that you, that you see from him, taking a look at him, that would make it so difficult? It seems like he can play uh, anywhere along the offensive line, and then he, he just brings that, that size that, that they don't really have on their D-line. Yeah, well, first of all, like I, I knew he was a big dude, but there was a clip of him shaking Pete's hand after the game and he made Pete look like a little five-year-old. I mean, the dude was huge. And uh, so, so he's a big guy. And the other thing is he's super athletic, uh, athletic guy for his size. So being able to play over the, over the nose, over the three technique, which is a, you know, outside shoulder of the guard. And you can even line it up, line him up outside uh, on the tackle. And I think that is the, the value that they saw in him because he can, he's proven that he can be effective in all three of those spaces. So, like, my sons were blowing my phone up, like, well, hey, why didn't we go up to Chase Young and all these other kind of things? Chase Young is a great football player, but he's kind of a, a, a one-trick pony. But he's good at it, but that's what he does. And so Leonard, I think, brings you more versatility. You can do more things with him. You can add him to different types of rotations with different guys out there. Uh, and then his athleticism combined with that size and talent is, uh, is, is going to be tremendous. Hey, I wanted to take a step back and just look at the NFC as a whole. Ray, as we know, adding Leonard Williams for the Seahawks was a big move at the midseason trade deadline. 49ers added Chase Young. Um, obviously, uh, Kevin Byard out of Tennessee was added by the Eagles prior to uh, the deadline. How do you see the NFC taking shape in terms of where the Seahawks are among the, the best teams? Yeah, I would, I would say that uh, obviously Philadelphia is winning football games. I can't say that they're killing people you know what i'm saying like they were last year uh they're doing something is different like they don't do as much of the running with uh with hurts as they did last year even though they still do that uh but they've been winning kind of ugly almost like they're just saying like hey man let's just get to the playoffs and then we can get it worked out there so to me that leaves the door open for a team like seattle i think seattle is the one team uh that is a little bit scary because you kind of know like if uh, the 49ers are clicking, you kind of know what you got and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But the Seahawks, I think, have shown that they can win in a multitude of ways. That they can win with the defense dominating. They can win with the offense dominating. They can win with Geno turn, you know, turning the ball over twice. They can win with Geno you know, being clean and, and, uh, and the offense you know, really clicking. They can, they can, they've won running the ball. They've run throwing the ball. They've, run stop, they've won stopping the run. They've won with pick sixes. So I think that, uh, to, to me, I, would, I don't know if they're first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, but they're, actually, they're up in that top echelon of teams because um, I like the fact that you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And uh, to me, that was sometimes a trick with the Patriots. Like sometimes back when the Patriots were like rolling, they were just, they were like, they just morphed into whatever they needed to be that day to win that game. And so it made it really hard to kind of prepare for them because you didn't know what they were going to do or how they were going to do it or how they were going to expose the things that you do that you don't do well. And I think the Seahawks are kind of so far this year kind of been in that space. So they've won pretty, they've won ugly. Uh, they've had some, some, some not so good 
performances and their losses. But the idea that you just don't know what you're going to get, I think, is sometimes a good thing. Ray, what um, I don't know if you watch film on him or not, but what have you seen out of Leonard Williams, whether it's on film um, with with the Giants or over his career? What what, uh, what are the Seahawks getting? Well, I remember when he uh, when he played at USC and uh, just how uh, athletic he was and how from um, from that interior defensive line position he could also rush the quarterback and like people don't understand that's what makes uh, uh, Aaron Donald so amazing. They don't understand how hard it is to get a sack from playing the interior defensive line because you have to overcome double teams, you have to overcome down blocks, you have to overcome you know being triple team with the running back all these different kinds of things. And he has shown, shown the ability uh, to get after the quarterback, even from, from that position. And so I, I think uh, that's going to add to it. And then as a run block, a run defender, the dude is long, long arms, big, tall dude. So he can lock out and hold his, his space on the line of scrimmage. And then that, that holds up double teams that allow the run, the linebackers to, to get in on the play, but he's also able to play uh, on the offensive lines side of the line of scrimmage. And so, that's kind of what I like about him. He's, he's one of those dudes, too, that like you can see him uh, running 10, 15 yards down the field to make a tackle. So he's, he's, a, he's a hustle guy along with all of the talent that he has, and that's not always the case. I fancy myself as a dude that kind of went hard, but if Barry Sanders broke off a 50-yard touchdown, I'm not meeting him in the end zone. Okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm going right to the sidelines. Go line. to the sidelines, <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to holler at you when you get there because I'm going to have the oxygen already on. I'll even get it prepared for you like you do on the airplane. Like, hey, I'm going to get this ready for Barry when he comes so that he can have his air. I'm going to have my air. So <laughs> so for, for a guy his size to work that hard, uh, I think it fits in with how the Seahawks play defense. Like you do on the airplane. Uh, that was in the trenches with Ray Roberts. You can hear more from Ray on the Seahawks pre- and post-game show this Sunday. Thanks so much, Ray. Yes, sir. You guys have a great one. Thanks, Ray. Bye. I like Everybody's heard that. Secure your own mask before. That's exactly what I was others. thinking. Like the parents like getting masks for their kids. He's like, Barry, I got this for you. Here you go. We're going to get you set. Uh, do do mom first, then the kid. <laughs> Voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel joins us next. This, this is the Huddle, presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply, every Thursday from noon to two on Seattle Sports. You are listening to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Ross, and joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how's it going? Great, kids. How are you doing? We are fantastic. I mean, look, I, I told, you know, Ray Roberts when we had him on, I'm a little nervous for Baltimore. This is a really tough team, but the Seahawks also became an even better team after adding Leonard Williams at the trade deadline. What'd you make of that move? Well, I thought it was a terrific move. Uh, and that's saying nothing against the guys we got, but anytime you can add somebody that that that's that good, that's been a pro bowl player that uh, is, has great experience that that's just plain big and quick and whose nickname is big cat. I don't care who it is, as long as his nickname is Big Cat, you want him on your defensive front. Rez, I'm looking at um, what the Baltimore offense presents to this defense, and I'm thinking at some point they might have to spy Lamar Jackson, but I also feel okay with who they might spy. I'm assuming it would be Jordan Brooks. How do you think they uh, they attack this offense? Well, I, you know, I've been, I've been uh, as we used to say in the South, Bob, I've been cogitating on that for the last couple of days. <laughs> And one of the problems is if you if you take Jordan Brooks kind of out of the mix and just say, okay, you're going to spy, um, 
you know, he does a lot of great things for this defense. And so, you know, do you take him? Do you use Jamal, who is, you know, probably a step quicker because Lamar Jackson, I mean, this guy is, he, he can beat you in so many ways. He can run. He's got, how many touchdowns does he have running the football? It's your five rushing oh, touchdowns. Five, yeah. And throwing touchdowns, only three interceptions. So uh, he he is just a, a little bit of, in fact, a lot of everything that you don't want to face if you're a defense. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Do you mix it up a little bit, I guess? Do you, do you shut down the run? Yes, to try to force the ball into his hands. Uh, but then, you know, how do you honor your rush lanes? Because this guy can just make you look so bad so quickly. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Last time we played them, 2019, I remember saying, Rabes, uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson running the ball like that, he's not going to last. Well, here we are four years later. Yeah. He's probably going to get close to 1,000 yards. It's it's pretty amazing. And I wonder if I, I like your idea with Jamal Adams. I mean, I think, you know, I was supposed to spy Randall Cunningham in 1991, Rabes. And I don't know, you were probably calling it. And calling the game, and I never, I never spied him. I never even saw him. Uh, so I don't know. I think I, I feel like uh, Jamal Adams, but I mean, he's he's got to be the the number one key to shut that guy down. I mean, you just have to. He's he's like two extra meeting guys. Yeah. Well, these guys though they have other weapons too. I mean, they they got Gus Edwards, who's rushed for what he'll be going on five hundred yards when he comes yeah. in here. This- they got Mark Andrews, who's got six touchdown passes at tight end. This guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, and Lamar Jackson just loves to get him the ball. And, oh, by the way, they got a rookie in Zay Flowers, a first-round draft choice, uh, who's, you know, he doesn't have but one touchdown, but this guy can really stretch the field. So they just have a lot of weapons. We haven't even talked about their defense yet. This is a really good team, and I think the, the biggest compliment that they can get, uh, and Coach uh, Carroll said it, uh, this week, and he said it a couple of times, and that is um, the way that John Harbaugh coaches this team. As good a coach as Harbaugh is, he gets the best out of his players, and that, that to me is, is that says an awful lot. So this is going to be a real test. We jump from the frying pan of the first-rated defense in the league in Cleveland this last weekend to into the fire with the second-ranked defensive team. So this is going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. So you're gonna go. Hello. Um, uh, oh, we uh, right there. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those radio moments of both people breathe in. Um, you uh, you saw them obviously take on a Cleveland Browns defense that was great against the pass. And you know, I don't mean this to slight the Seahawks. I thought they'd have a harder go of it than than they ended up having. Um, and and here we are going to watch them again uh, against a really really tough passing defense as well. I'd love to see more from not only some of these young offensive players as a whole, but from Charbonnet and and, and Walker here, Raves. Would you as well? Yeah, and I think Pete said that uh, earlier in the week as well. The one thing that came out of that game against Cleveland is we kind of got away from the run again. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's, it's you know, not for lack of trying, but it's just that things happen during the course of the game. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you throw on first down, you don't make it, or you get a five-yard penalty. Now it's second down and 12 or second and 15. And, and now you're constantly trying to work your way uh, from out from behind the six. Uh, you know, you just – you just kind of have to keep going at it. This is a this is a really good defense. They're big. My God, they're big up front, and they're tough. They can rush the passer. You know, they got uh, Jadavian Clowney, a former Seahawk, uh, who can come off the edge. 
and they got some good guys in the secondary. So uh, it's it's just going to be a full on out test of this team. And 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 just in case you want it to come down to a field goal, they have the best kicker in the history of the league yeah. in Justin. So uh, this, this and you're playing on their home turf. So you couldn't have much more going against you. The good thing is this is a number one against the number one. We're first in the NFC West. They're first in the AFC North. So it should be a great battle. What type of game does Geno need to have? I mean, he's been turning the ball over a bit more than he did last year. Um, I didn't expect him to have another Pro Bowl season. But for, for this game, what type of game do you think Geno needs? I think he needs to, to get the ball out of his hands because they're going to rush the passer. They're going to do a good job of that. Our guys up front did a really good job against Cleveland. They allowed just one sack. So I think we're getting better, stronger, healthier up front. And that'll help Geno in many ways. I, I sure like the idea of turning and handing off to uh, a couple of your running backs. Uh, you know, hand off to number nine, hand off to number 26. Um, maybe give to Bobo on an inside handoff once in a while. But um, you know, be sure that you're sure when you throw the football. Um, I, I, I'm guessing that uh, uh, DK is not going to be sick again this week. So he'll be, I think, a little more in tune with his quarterback and a little more able to make plays for him. Um, but I just think you, you have to be, you know, continue to be careful with the ball, throw it on timing, get it out of your hands, and make sure that if there's nothing there, don't try to force it because this is the kind of defense that will take advantage of that. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. You can hear him on the call, of course, alongside our own Dave Wyman on Sunday. Don't forget, this is a 10 a.m. start for these two teams. Wake up nice and early. Thanks so much, Rapes. Thanks, Rapes. Okay, nice to see you. See ya. Uh, God, you guys, the more we talk about this team the more nervous and excited I get. I mean, this is going to be a heck of a test. I'm more nervous. Nervous? I mean, God, I'm looking at all these stats. You mentioned him earlier, but Geno Stone, five interceptions. Um, you have Lamar with five rushing touchdowns, nine touchdowns to just three interceptions, third in completion percentage among the league. I mean, this is, you know what it is, guys? I was looking ahead to November and December seeing, this is from week one, mm-hmm. seeing Dallas, 49ers twice. You got the Eagles, and I was like, this is it. This is the gauntlet. Mm. It turns out weeks eight and nine might be part of your gauntlet, too. Yeah. No it's the warm-up gauntlet. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, uh, what was that stat that he was trying to not listen to, Lamar Jackson? It was like 19-1 and one against, against NFC, NFC teams? teams. Oh, God. And he's like, no, 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 don't even say that. It's just, a, it's just a football team that's coming in here. But, yeah, I mean, you look at uh, – um, here's something encouraging. I saw that uh, their kicker – don't remember his name. Uh, he's uh, he's <laughs> one for four, I think, fifty plus yards. What's his name, Bum? Tucker, Justin Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, Justin yeah. Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I have. A, a <laughs> no, I like to, to think forget. of it as blatant disrespect, intentional disrespect. I really was not intentionally not remembering his name there, but <laughs> but no, I mean they have so many weapons, and you look at all the things that they do good. You know, um, you know they're they're good in the in the red zone. They're good on third down. I yeah. mean, they have just incredible uh, weapons. Here's another little stat about their offense. They have one of the few fullbacks. Patrick Ricard, I uh, don't know if he starts, but, you know, not very many teams have fullbacks. Um, and like I was saying to, to Rabel, I mean, it used to, you know, a few years ago, everybody's like, oh, man, Lamar Jackson, he's going to be worn down in three mm-hmm. years. He's still getting it done, man. Yeah. And they've got a great design. I remember when they came in here last time, they would line that Ricard guy up in the in the backfield. They would put a, a 
a tight end in the backfield, and then they would pull a guard, and it would just they just overwhelm you at the point of attack. And then you've got Lamar Jackson running, and you know you're playing against eleven when the the quarterback's running the ball. Mm-hmm. Typically, he hands it off. You're you're playing eleven on ten, so I mean he just makes it, and he's been able to stay pretty healthy. So this is. Yeah, I, I think every every week I go through this where I'm like, oh, man, we can't beat this team. And then they do. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and you go, uh, well, yeah, like last week, I'm like, the closer we got, the I more the same I'm like, thing. oh, man, Cleveland is really a good team. So, so here's my challenge for us. Um, coming up at 45 after, John Boyle's going to join us. We're going to get some quick little injury updates and ask him about the team. But then the four of us are going to come up with some keys to this game. We're going to come up with our game plan. We're going to play offensive or defensive coordinator in this case. But Before we get to that, you guys are going to hear the latest from Tyler Lockett. That's coming your way next. This is The Huddle. Presented by Hunt Services and Pacific Lamp and Supply. Every Thursday from noon to 2 on Seattle Sports. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Rost. And now you're going to take a listen to Tyler Lockett at the podium. I think I got a couple touchdowns over there in that corner of the end zone. But, I mean, I've also had some bad moments over there, too, you know, like when I broke my leg. (laughs) So, I mean, at the end of the day, I think there's good moments, there's bad moments, but um, you just try to figure out how to thrive with the opportunities that's given. I wouldn't say that that's my corner of the end zone. I think there's a lot of people who could say that's, that's their corner of the end zone. But, you know, good things have happened so far over there, too. I just go back to backyard football. You know, like when we was kids, we go out there, play in the grass, and it's no rules. You know, they try to be able to coach it in a way to where it's not chaotic. But really, it's just about trying to be able to figure out how can you beat your man, how can you be able to get open, and then you try to make sure you're on the same page with the quarterback. Obviously, it doesn't work out every time because I haven't been able to scramble as much as I used to um, back in the day. But... Um, that game, I was able to really, like, connect with Gino just with where his eyes was going, like, as he was progressing through his reads, finding the open zone holes, and just being able to understand it's my ball or it's nobody's ball, the way that Gino throws the ball. So he's going to throw it only to where we can catch it. And if we can't catch it, then we're going to at least have another down to play. But, I mean, he was spot on every single time that we was trying to run and get open in the scramble drills. I mean, it's really not a lot of type of ways to coordinate it. But like I said, they kind of have a specific type of design of how it would like to go whenever we're out there running around and scrambling. So I think for us, it's also based off of what the play is and how many people are running routes and where are they going um, within the scheme of the offense. And um, some of them plays that we had, I was the only one on my side or, you know, things were cleared out. And so it was easier for me to find different ways to scramble. But there's other times where it's a lot more difficult because of the play design. You have to be able to also have an understanding of where a certain player is. And sometimes you play off of what you see they do. So if one person decides to make a move and try something, then it makes you want to do something different. Can't really go into detail because we're about to play another team and you can't be letting them know what you think and how you see stuff. So you're making this decision on the fly based on what you see in the field. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, 
I mean, it's almost like you driving on the highway and somebody cuts you off. Like immediately, you got to react. I mean, that's kind of how it is on the scramble drill. Like you're like this is a play we want to do. Sometimes that play doesn't work, and after that, another play goes on. And I think it just it's something that because I was here for so long, it's something that we always taught, that we always learned. So it's something that you always have, you know, in the back of your head anytime a play breaks down. I mean, I agree. You know, I think that this is going to be a very, very grimy game. I think that um, the Ravens are um, really, really physical. Um, their secondary is really good. Their front seven is really good. I think it's just one of those times where you get a chance to really see, like, hey, man, where are we at as a team? Uh, we just went against another great team that's in their division, and it went all the way down to the wire where, you know, we won the game at the end. And so I think for us, like, like, there's not going to be a lot of games where there might be blowouts. You know, there's going to be a lot more close games in the NFL with any team because everybody's good. And so we're playing caliber teams that have a chance to be a Super Bowl contender. And so we just got to go out there and we just got to be able to play. But, you know, you can't focus so much on who you're about to play. You got to focus on everything that you're building each and every week and just understanding, like, what is it that we have to do to be able to attack what we see and just focus on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could tell as soon as we got out there and played. Um, just coming from college and seeing his mentality, like the mindset of just he was really smart and understanding route schemes and concepts already in college. And that's not something that's always a given because everybody has the talent, but it takes time for people to understand, like, the mental part of the game. He understood the mental part of the game. You know, obviously he just had to fight through um, some of the nagging injuries that was kind of holding him out. But, I mean, as soon as he got to hit the ground and running, like, he did a great job. He's been doing a phenomenal job. We've moved him around in different spots. And, I mean, that's something that's difficult. You know, you're looking at corners, and they're like, man, I could play on the outside, but then you put him at nickel, and it's a lot different. Well, he's thriving regardless of whatever we put him at. And he is really a person that wants to be a competitor. And so every time he's out there, it's like you got to be able to be aware of what he's doing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> How is, what, what's the trick to staying sharp? I just think the trick to staying sharp is just, I think it's, it's all mental. Like the physical part is what keeps you playing because if you're, if you're not able to stay physically in shape and physically be able to get open, that's the easiest way to be able to like to get out this league because, I mean, you're looking at young guys now and I mean, 4-4 four, four is slow. <laughs> like, you know, nowadays as we're getting closer and closer um, to where this league is going, so people want four threes, people are running more of high four twos and so the game is getting a lot faster. The game is getting more physical. Like, people are becoming more quicker. So you got to be able to understand the game. And the IQ of the game, I think, is what allows a lot of older players to be able to play a lot longer because you know how to be able to utilize people's skills against themselves. And so for me, that's how I've always wanted to be. Like, I played basketball, and I would understand 
the game of basketball. I understand my matchups, who I want to go to at certain times, what plays you want to call, when to hold the ball, when not to hold the ball, when to get a foul so I can go to the free throw line. Like all these different things, it's like the game within the game. So yeah, there might be people that are better than me, but I'm smarter than you. Like that's how I mentally try to think about it. And so if I can use your strengths against yourself or if I can use your weaknesses against yourself, I'm going to be able to do that. I just pick and choose when do I want to do it and how do I want to do it. So to answer your question, I think that's what helps us as older guys stay in it, especially if we don't have a chance to be able to practice because it's really the IQ of the game that really makes playing football a lot more easier. So I try to do that when I play golf. I try to do that when sometimes I play the video game is I always try to sharpen my mind and figure out how could I have been better. So, I mean, I don't know if you play golf. Golf is a hard sport to play. But I hit the driver, boom, great shot. Hit my second, my second shot, great shot. But then my chip, it might take me two chips, you know, because it's like, dang, what did I do on the third one? I tried to baby it. Then, you know, then I get on and I go from having a chance to get a par to now I got a double bogey. And so mentally, I don't care what I get, but I just tell myself, like, hey, hitting a great drive shot is like winning at the line of scrimmage. Hitting a great second shot is like being able to win at the top of your break. But not having that good chip shot, that's almost like not finishing the play. Like, oh, you dropped the ball. You know what I mean? So it's stuff like that where I try to, I try to take my mind as far as I can mentally to sharpen it. So that way when it's time for football, like I'm able to be at a better place. Oh, say again? <laughs> How long could I play if I didn't practice? Oh, uh, you know, I had to do it a good amount of times in my life, you know, where there was playing AAU basketball and I didn't practice, whether it was me being hurt and I had to still go out there and play. Um, in college, like there was times I was dealing with stuff and I couldn't play. And at that point, you just got to be able to tell yourself, like, I got to focus on the things that make me me. Like sometimes when you go out here and practice, it's like you're always working to get better and you're able to like do certain things and try certain things. But when you don't have a chance to be able to practice, then you're like, I got to be able to go to all of my go to's. I got to be able to do the stuff that I know that I could be great at and I don't have to practice that. And so I think that's kind of the only thing that I could say. But mentally, I, even though I'm not practicing, I'm still practicing like in my head. Like I'm still working on all the things that I need to do that I think that I need to learn before we get ready to play. So it's not just like I'm sitting on my butt and I ain't doing nothing the whole entire time. It's like, no, nah, I'm doing something, but it's just not at a point where I can get put as full participant you know what i'm saying or whatever the case is most important question of the day how the heck did the seahawks get a win in week nine we're gonna ask john boyle next don't go anywhere this is the huddle presented by hunt services and pacific lamp and supply every thursday from noon to two on seattle sports this is the huddle with dave wyman michael bumpus stacy ross and joining us right now john boyle reporter for seahawks.com hi john hi stacy how's How it going great um i wanted to uh to start right away by just kind of um setting up some of my own worries about this game so that we could hopefully by the end of this segment feel 
pretty optimistic or excited uh, about this matchup because I'm a little nervous. So I got to be really honest. Uh, Baltimore Ravens six and two, first in the AFC North. They've won three in a row. Obviously, Lamar having a fantastic year. Only three interceptions for him. Third overall uh, in completion percentage, which is kind of what we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Gino, who's who's been up and down the last couple games, um, a lot to love about what the Seahawks have been doing. So maybe that's where we'll start. But what's the mindset heading into this Baltimore game for Seattle? I mean. Obviously, they're going out there expecting to play well. They've been a very good team all year, been competitive in every game, minus the second half of the opener. Um, But they do know, I mean, this is a really tough opponent, as you just outlined. They're doing a lot of good things offensively, one of the best defenses in the NFL. But I I think this, you know, Seahawks, this is a good benchmark. I mean, they feel like they are capable of being a real contending team, and you're going to have to play games like this if you're going to go be a championship team. I already consider them obviously record-wise top three or four in the NFC, but what does a win do to their perception to the league? Yeah, I mean, it, it would certainly help it, you know, in terms of the league-wide external perception of the team. I think internally they already feel like they're a really good team and they don't need to prove it to themselves. But, yeah, I mean, if, if you go out and beat a 6-2 and two team on the road, that's going to make teams or people kind of look at you a little differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also they're one of the teams. I mean, it didn't seem like there was a whole bunch of trades, like significant ones, right? Mm-hmm. It was, um, what, it was Chicago and then uh, San Francisco, yeah. and that's that's pretty much it. And I don't know, it was uh, it kind of like sent a message to the rest of the league, I feel like, that they think that they're they're Yeah, they're really going close. for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you don't make that move if you think, oh, you know, we're just trying to slowly build a contending team for two years from now i mean you trade a second round pick for a guy that's showing you expect him to come make a big difference right now tell us about uh the kind of difference he could potentially make i mean uh how is leo leonard williams gonna kind of fit into this defense what role do you expect him to uh to take over on sunday yeah i mean we'll see how they use you know i think we'll see a lot of them but how they use him with jaron reed with draymond jones with mario edwards i mean the good news is defensive line you'd like to rotate guys so it's not like he needs to directly take a ton of playing time from one guy it's you kind of spread it out but yeah i mean we've heard Pete carroll and josh and i talk for years that those you know game wrecking interior linemen are one of the hardest things to find when it comes to building a roster and you usually need to be picking very high in the draft to get that caliber of player i mean this is a former number six overall pick we're talking about so yeah, they had to give up a second round pick to get him, but they feel like he can be that real difference maker that can collapse pockets, you know, make plays, run game and pass game, just be a real difference maker. What's the progress report card on Jamal Adams, man? I mean, I like what I've seen a lot out of him. I mean, health wise, you know, he's still easing back in. We see him get these days off in practice. They did rest him a series or two this last game after he played every snap the week before. So I think they're trying to make sure, you know, they give him a little bit of time to build up to full strength. But I mean, he's out there making play. He hasn't had the sacks yet, which is what we're used to from his first year. But he's made some really good plays, like open field tackles, you know, breaking up screens where he's splitting defenders. And then obviously, you know, huge play at the end of the game to, to force that interception with his head where he's blitzing and jumps right in the passing lane. So, I mean, for a guy who missed an entire season and is still working his way back from injury, I, I think he's done a lot already and he'll continue to help him. Did you have a lot of people uh, telling you that uh, he did that on purpose, that it was like a header from a soccer player? I mean, people were speculating <laughs> on it, but he, he admitted right after you know, he was yeah. asked that. And he's like, oh, no, you know, he just he saw the guy throw and he jumped and it, yeah. it hit him right in the head. So. Well, I think it's a good example of like how you can't necessarily put your head somewhere you want it to when yeah. things are happening yeah, that yeah. quickly. I see where you go with this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was a good example. Um, but, you know. Uh, as far as uh, playmakers go, we didn't see anything out of uh, Witherspoon. 
last week. Like, that's very rare for him. Like, yeah. usually he has, like, three big plays. They hardly threw it at him, though. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe he'll be the guy. I, I would say, like, if you're going to pick one guy on this defense to, you know, I don't know about spying the quarterback if that actually works. And I'm mm-hmm. jaded by that because I was part of it one time and it didn't work. <laughs> um, but Who'd you have to spy? Uh, it was Randall Cunningham. Oh, that's, that was back, that's a fair fight. So this is like my second year when the Seahawks thought I was really fast, which I was, but not really fast. Like <laughs> not Randall Cunningham. I found out fast. he was really fast. Yeah. But I would say, like, if you're going to pick one guy, who, who would that be? To me, it would be Witherspoon. He's ridiculously athletic and instinctive, but Jamal's pretty Yeah, pretty I could see Jamal or even Jordan Brooks, the way he's playing. Yeah. Uh, it, any of those three, I think, have the athletic ability. But, yeah, I don't – I mean – I don't know if you want to take him out of coverage enough to do that with Witherspoon. Yeah. Maybe Jamal makes more sense there, but I, they have good options. I mean, they've got a lot of playmakers no in kidding. that defense right now. Yeah. Uh, we have about a minute left, so don't take too much time with your answers. But my last challenge for us, I did a Halloween theme for this one. <laughs> uh, trick or treat. So uh, the the trick, the bad thing that we're hoping the Seahawks avoid, maybe it's um, you know a bad habit that they've had. Maybe it's something any team can do, something you're hoping that they avoid. They really got to avoid it against this team. And the treat is obviously something that you're excited to see mm-hmm. or something you hope they do in this one. you got to have both. John, we'll start with you. I mean, I'm taking the obvious trick, and that's it, the turnovers. I mean, yeah. Seen them. They've survived it a lot. They've five turnovers with the last two games, and they've won them both. You can't keep doing that, yep. especially against a good team like Baltimore. Treat. I, let's maybe get that run game going a little bit more. We saw. We saw. I mean, the yards per carry were really good last week. And yeah. Like Carroll said, you know, they just didn't get to it enough. And some of that's just you need to extend more drives. I had a lot of three and outs after those early scoring drives, but. Let's get the carries up a little bit and, Love that. and get some runs. Wyman. Uh, well, the trick, I'm going to go, okay, let's get the red zone uh, offense going. Uh, although there was a couple of games the Ravens went like 0 for 5 and 0 for 4 in, in the red zone. So they're, they're pretty good, though, in general. But I would say if the offense can can fix that problem, show us kind of like the Bobo play that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Bum. Um, and then the treat would be I want Weatherspoon back with his three big plays. Because for three weeks in a row, he had three big plays. Two of them didn't count in the Arizona game. But that guy just all over the place. He's so special. And I'm I'm looking forward to him on a big stage against, like, big time. Yeah, talent. Lamar Jackson and Zay Flowers. I mean, this is going to be huge. Bump, what you got? Trick better on third downs. Stop that madness. We need to do better on third downs. Treat. Uh, We asked for more Bobo. I want more Charbonnet. Love it. Love it. I mean, I'm, I'm getting a, I'm copying you guys a little bit. My trick was going to be avoid the turnovers, obviously, five interceptions. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a, like a carbon copy of, of John's trick-or-treat bag here. The treat was just going to be running the ball more. Pete said in his press conference he'd love for them to do that, get those opportunities. So uh, that has been the huddle. Thank you, John Boyle, for joining us for this final Boyle. segment. As always, make sure you guys are reading John's work always at Seahawks.com. Uh, thank you to John. Thank you to all of our other guests for joining us today. And why going to be on the call. Stacey bump gives on out pre and post. She gives right. out <laughs> No, I don't. Apples, apple slices. <laughs> I got yeah. no trick or treaters. I was so sad. All right, you guys, this has been the huddle. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming up next.